please. Mark chapter 6, and uh, you know, I try, I try, I'm sure I fall short, but I try to pray and pray and pray and ask God to help me to be sensitive to His guidance and His leading and sensitive to what, uh, what He wants me to give you from the Word. Often I start Sunday night praying uh, tonight, when this service will be done tonight, I'll go ahead and then I'll start praying that God would already begin to, to direct me concerning what He wants me to give the congregation that next week. And, uh, and so I'm going to be honest, I had two different messages that I was going to bring today, uh, two fully developed messages. I, I'll, that other message, I'll probably still bring that message. And I, couldn't, I could not figure out which message to bring this morning. And I was going to preach what you see on the screen. I was going to preach it tonight. And uh, last night, the Lord began to deal with my heart just a little bit. And sometimes if I'm not careful, I, I, uh, I, I get a little too much. And then I end up having to try to rush to get through it in one service. And so this morning, early, early this morning, it seemed like the Lord began to direct. And so I'm going to break this message up into two different parts. And I'll bring the first part this morning. I'll bring the second part tonight. Both have tremendously important content. Both will be a little shorter since I'm going to do that. And so I want you to, you know, whatever you do, don't miss tonight. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, church. If you miss tonight, uh, God showed me some things this week. I believe that he's showed me for the very first time concerning this thing of bitterness. And if you miss tonight, I really believe you're going to miss a blessing. And so I want to, I want to again, I want to just do everything I can to encourage you to be back in the service this evening at 6 o'clock. Our Sunday evening service typically doesn't last very long. If you want to go to Dairy Queen, you'll still have time. Amen. But there's not a football game out there that's worth you missing tonight. I don't, I don't even know if there's a football game going today. But I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, NASCAR, baseball, soccer, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's, not, there's not an easy chair that's worth you missing tonight. And so uh, I want to encourage you to come. Now, uh, I, there may be some times when I may preach a message that may seem like it misses a group or misses somebody in our church, although we know that the Spirit of God tells us that His Word never returns void. So that means if I'm preaching a message, a full message on salvation, and you've already been saved, if the Bible is true, and it is, that means that you're still going to get something from that message. But I'm going to be honest, the message that I'm going to bring today is a message that just hits everybody. Uh, it's not a message. It's a message that there's nobody in here this morning that they don't need, including the guy that's preaching it to you. Because you're not going to make it out of this world without being done wrong. You're just not. And so just if you haven't been done wrong yet, get ready. It's coming. You say, wow, you are one negative preacher. I'm not negative. I'm just realistic. And you know what? Life is life. And somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to say something. Uh, but then on top of that, there's going to be some folk who know full well what they're doing. And they just set out to hurt you. It's not an accident. Sometimes that happens. It's an accident. Folks don't mean to miss shaking your hand. They didn't mean to say something off the wall. They didn't mean to. But then there's going to be sometimes when, you know what, 
They meant it. They meant it with a vengeance. It was given with malice. They knew what they were doing. So here's the question. When that happens, how are you going to react? So I want to talk to you a little bit uh, today about what you see on that screen, the bloody basket of bitterness. I'm not one that really ever comes up with these uh, flashy titles. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, even my title's not absolutely scriptural today. And so I come up with a secondary title. It's called Splatter on the Platter. Amen? <laughs> yes. That's about as Joe Arthur as you can get right there. And uh, that second title is probably a little bit more accurate than my first title, but uh, I'm being a little facetious. But the message is so serious, and so I think it's okay if we smile just a little bit before we get into it. I don't think, I don't think this message is going to preach well. Some messages just preach. I don't think this message is going to preach well. I think this message will teach better it's going to preach. But I hope that you will... Uh, in just a moment, we're going to pray together, and I hope that you'll pray this prayer. Lord, help my ears to be open. Help my heart to be ready to receive. And because this is one of those that if you don't get it, you may not be sitting in these seats a year from today. Listen, Brother Zach, uh, they'll be having their charter service in October at Haven Baptist Church. And I had talked to Brother Zach the other day. I said, Zach, I'd like to bring some of our folks out with us to California. And he said, Dad, if you do that, he said, I, boy, he said, we need to go have a homeless outreach. He said, it's just an eye-opening experience. And they did one, I think, a week ago or so. They went down to Los Angeles, and there are 60,000 people in the greater Los Angeles area that have no roof over their head, 60,000. They went down, and he said, Dad, we were just, uh, we went down, we had a big thing. He said, we prepared a big giant meal for all of them. And he said, they just came over, and he said, we uh, fed them and loved on them. And he said, we had a lady that came over, and he said, she began to talk. And she said, Pastor, she said, me and my husband used to be in church. And she said, we were in a good church. And she said, the pastor did something one day, and she said, we got sort of sideways with the pastor. And she said, we got out of church. She said, my husband and I both got on drugs. And she said, we lost everything we have. And now she said, we have no home. We live on the streets in Los Angeles, which, by the way, is not a good place to live. Now, that's what I'm talking about. You're going you're gonna to be done wrong. Your spouse is going to do you wrong. Or your children are going to do you wrong. Or your pastor is going to do you wrong. Or your supervisor is going to do you wrong. Or an employee is going to do you wrong. Somebody is going to do you wrong. Can y'all feel the Holy Spirit already working? So the question is, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to handle that? And I want you to look at Mark 6 in your Bibles. When you find your place, if you're able to stand comfortably, if you'll stand with us, if you're able... Mark chapter 6, we're going to read a little bit more Scripture than we normally would. And so we're going to start in verse number 12. Mark chapter 6, verse number 12. The Bible says, And they went out and preached that men should repent. So the Lord Jesus has sent out His disciples two by two. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with all many that were sick and healed them. Verse 14. 
And King Herod heard of him, talking about Jesus. King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. And therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Now I'll preach another message on this later. I've got a message already. The Lord's given me a message on this. But, but Herod, when he begins to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, Herod believes John the Baptist is risen from the dead. And so he's scared to death. Uh, now, very superstitious. And so look at verse 15. Others said that it is Elias or Elijah. And others said that it's a prophet or it's one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, it's John. He said, it's John. John's come back to haunt me. It's John. It's John. Uh, whom I beheaded, he is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in, uh, in, uh, in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee, and when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. I read that this week and I wanted to call a timeout. I was like, whoa. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. Let's go back and let's look at that again. The Bible says in verse number 23, And he swear unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. How many know that's mixed up? And verse 25, And she came in straightway with haste unto the king, and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger. That's a plate. It's not really a basket. It's really more of a plate. I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought and he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel and the damsel gave it to her mother. Have you ever read scripture and just want to go, wow, what just happened? You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning and then tonight I want to talk to you about this subject of bitterness, bitterness. And so uh, 
Let's pray. Let's uh, go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into the Bible study. I hope it'll be a help to you today. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, for the opportunity to be back at Calvary Baptist Church. Now, Lord, as we take just a few minutes, and we've enjoyed the music and the singing and the fellowship and all of those, these things. But Lord, as we take just a few minutes before we leave out now, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together. And I pray that we'll learn a great truth today. And I pray that it will lodge and, and never leave us. And, and I pray that we'll take it because, Lord, just as sure as I'm here today, we're going to need this one. And so may we, if we don't need it today, then I pray that we'll, uh, that we'll reserve it away somewhere because, Lord, sure enough, we're going to need this one. I pray that you'll minister to hearts, save the lost, encourage the saved. And most of all, we pray that you'd glorify your precious and perfect Son Bless those and speak to those that are watching by way of live stream today. Those that are in the overflow room, help them, I pray. And we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Boy, what a, what a story. Herodias could have had anything she desired to the half of Herod's kingdom. Then you say, Pastor, do you think that that, that was true? I think it was absolutely true. I think that, that uh, Herod made that decree in front of witnesses knowing that he could not go back because he, he, he carried through with what was asked, not what he wanted to do, but what was asked of him. And so we understand here that Herodias could have had anything that she desired to have to the half of Herod's kingdom. Her daughter, the damsel, we're not sure what her name was, but she was a damsel, she was a young lady, and she had been given a wish of sorts. You've heard of having three wishes. She didn't have three, but she had one. And that one could have given her anything that she wanted to the half of Herod's kingdom. Now think of the things that she could have had. Herod Antipas, which is the one that we were talking about right here, was, was son to a, a man called Herod the Great. Uh, now, these rulers were appointed by Rome, and at that time, Rome was the most powerful kingdom in the world. It was the world that literally, it was the kingdom that literally ruled the world at that time, and, and so unbelievable riches, uh, uh, incredible wealth, and so their riches and their power were absolutely mind-blowing. Now, we could spend all afternoon talking about this, and we don't have time to do that, but I begin to think about some of the things that Herodias could have had if she would have asked for him. And so I wrote several things out. How about this? Miss Kathy, she could have had any stallion that she would have wanted. She could have had the finest stallion in the kingdom. All you horse lovers out there, uh, and I'll say more about this in just a little bit, but, but Herod had very close ties. I mean, when I say close, I mean very close ties to uh, Arabia, and so uh, he could, she could have had any Arabian stallion, the finest Arabian stallion. You name the color. I mean, uh, she, could have had, she could have rode the finest steed that money could buy. She could have had the finest chariot. She could have rode around the city in a golden chariot had she, had she wanted to. I thought about this. She could have had the choicest house in the kingdom. Now, several weeks ago when the church was so gracious to send Ms. Taman out of Israel and we visited a place called Sephora, or, or they call it Zippori. And Zippori is about uh, 
about three miles across the valley from Nazareth where Jesus grew up. And, uh, and it's a place where they believe that, that probably Jesus and Joseph, his, uh, his stepdaddy, they, that they probably traveled over to Saporia and they probably worked there in Saporia. It was a, uh, a very wealthy, wealthy Roman uh, a town. And there's a big coliseum there where they had the games and, and all those kind of things. But one of the things that they, that they showed us in Saporia was uh, that a home that used to be there and they said that this home was, was definitely owned by a very wealthy family. And uh, when you walk in this home, it had many rooms in this house. And, uh, and uh, it had beautiful, beautiful artwork uh, on the floor. They had, uh, what do you call those things, murals? Is that right? They had beautiful murals. And it looked like, it, listen, it looked like somebody took a paintbrush and very meticulously painted faces and all these different designs on the floor when actually what it was, it was these little tiny cubicles about that big by that big, millions of these little cubicles that they placed down in the floor until they made this big gigantic mural. They said there were over a million and a half of those little tiny tiles uh, that they built that mural with. And so this was a very wealthy family. It's first century people. And yet in this home in Zapori, they had running water and an indoor toilet that worked. Now that's as far as I'm going to go with that. But, I, I, but I'm just telling you, these folks, these folks were, were tremendously wealthy back in that day and time. Now, you understand, you understand that Herodias could have had that. She could have had the finest home in the kingdom. She could have had a new dress every day. She could have had a house on the lake. Now, we call it the Sea of Galilee. The, the people that live in Israel don't, don't call it the sea. They call it the lake, the Lake of Gennesaret. And, uh, and, uh, and it is a beautiful, beautiful place. It really is. Man, it's sunset. There's a beautiful breeze down there. And, and so Herodias could have said, I'll tell you what you go. Go back and ask him and tell him that we want the finest house on the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. I mean, we want it per perfectly positioned where we can see the sun go down every night. And now here's the thing. He would have given it to her if that's what she would have asked for. She could have had countless servants. And yet she received not stallions, not chariots, not the choicest house, not countless servants, but she received a bloody, gory, decomposing head on a plate. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Calvary. Somebody's going to have to explain that one to me. How in the world can you get so messed up in your mind that when you can have basically anything, a blank check, and yet what you want, is somebody's head on a charger. You say, preacher, why was that? And I'll tell you why. Because she was bitter that a prophet called John the Baptist told her and her husband the truth. That's exactly what happened. Now, some of you probably know this and others may not, but as we read this story this morning, it's a very demented story. It really is. A very uh, Herod was not a reputable man. He was a despicable, a very despicable man. And just to give you a little background behind this story, uh, Herod Antipas that we're reading about this morning is the ruler of the Galilean area. 
His brother Philip, uh, or sometimes they called him Herod Philip, is the ruler of a place called Caesarea Philippi. And we, again, thank the Lord we had the opportunity to visit Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was that place where Jesus talked about the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It was a place where there was a, 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 a many, many forms of pagan worship and false gods, and they worshiped the god Pan, uh, and they worshiped the god uh, Aphrodite, I think, and, and all these other uh, many, many gods they worshiped there in Caesarea Philippi. And it's up, uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee is here, and Caesarea Philippi would be way up north in Israel, a place called the Golan Heights uh, up there. And that's where uh, Philip was the ruler of Caesarea Philippi. Now, get the story here. Herodias, who is Herodias? Herodias is their niece. She's the niece of Herod Antipas and the niece of Herod Philip. And yet these men are so demented that Herod Philip takes his niece as his wife. Now that's already messed up. Can I at least get a little bit of an amen right there? That's, that's, that's you know, that's, that's marrying pretty close, you know. Uh, and, and so he's, he's but, but the story goes south from there. So Herod Philip has married his niece Herodias, but then he has a brother, Herod Antipas, who has more power than he has and who rules the Galilean area there. And I'm guessing they're together. They're having some time together. And Herod Antipas gets to looking at Herod Philip's wife, by the way, also his niece. And so he's so demented and so worthless and so lustful that he having more power than his brother said, you know what, by the way, I want your wife. And so Herod Antipas takes Herodias he divorces his own wife. We'll get into that later tonight. He divorces his own wife and takes Herodias as his wife. And I just got to say this. Boy, I bet their Christmases were something. <laughs> I mean, when this family got together, you better bring your 45. I mean, really. I, it's just like, man, I'm thinking, wow, I bet this family's not very close. I mean, they're taking wives from each other and they're killing each other and uh, and now wait a minute now. And so Herod Antipas, don't lose me because I'm going somewhere over this. Herod Antipas uh, takes his niece, Mercy, who is his brother's wife. He steals her from him and makes her his own wife. Well, Guess what happened? An old preacher, a Baptist preacher, by the way, came onto the scene and he had some gall and some guts and he, uh, and he went to the king and he said, by the way, that's not right, that's not godly, that's not moral. And he said, you should have never taken your brother's, that was your brother's wife, and you never should have taken her as your own. And here's the story. Herodias, who was also wicked, never got over it. Now look back at your Bibles again. In Mark chapter 6 and verse number 18, the Bible says, For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore, verse 19, Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have what? She would have killed him. You ever heard about being mad enough to kill somebody? She wanted to kill him. And that was, just not, that was just not a little saying. But if she was so mad at John the Baptist, she wanted to kill him. 
I mean, she literally wanted to take his life, but the Bible says, but she could not. Now, I want to I give you just two thoughts today, and we'll go a little further than this tonight, but I want to give you two thoughts today on this thing of bitterness and some things that we notice about Herodias' life and this thing of bitterness. How about, how about this? Number one, we notice that bitterness brought total selfishness. Bitterness brought total selfishness. What do you mean, Pastor? Herodias had no regard for what might benefit her family. Now, again, think about it. I'm going back just a little bit. Think about it. She could have had anything. I mean, now, now, technically, he wasn't giving these things to Herodias. He was giving it to Herodias' daughter. And by the way, a little girl, you know. This is so sick. This is such a sick story. And, and, uh, but she goes to her mom. She says, Mom. Uh, Herod said he'll give me anything to the half of the kingdom. What do we want? And so Herodias could have asked for anything, but we notice here that she was absolutely caught up in total selfishness. We notice here she cared nothing about her spouse's wishes. Again, Herod's wicked, but, but to, you know what? Somehow, in some kind of a crazy way, Herod, although he was wicked, Herod respected John the Baptist. He respected it. The Bible says he feared John. In fact, it at least leans this way that when John the Baptist preached, although Herod was wicked, he enjoyed hearing John the Baptist preach. Now look at it again, if you will, in Mark chapter 6, verse number 20. The Bible says, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and an holy, and observed him. Look at this last part. I love it. He said, And when he heard him, he, talking about John, he did many things and heard him gladly. I looked that up, and it just means to do things large. And so evidently when John the Baptist preached, he preached large. He was very animated maybe in his preaching. Or maybe John stood up and said, hey, we're going to have a huge, gigantic, colossal, stupendous, incredible day. And, uh, uh, and the Bible says that Herod, he sort of enjoyed that. He enjoyed John, seeing John speak and seeing John uh, preach. And he knew that John was a moral man. Uh, and so he, 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 you know, he, 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 didn't, he didn't mind putting John in prison, but he didn't want to do away with him. He wanted to keep John around. Because he feared John and he respected John. But you know what? Herodias came on the scene and Herodias was so caught up in bitterness and she was so caught up in selfishness that she cared little for what Herod wanted. She didn't care if Herod respected him or feared him. All she knew was this. She wanted Herod to be dead. Now, listen to me, uh, church. Uh, I don't know much, but I know just a little bit, and I've been preaching long enough and pastoring long enough to know just a little bit about the subject I'm preaching on today. And if you don't watch what you're doing, bitterness will destroy your life and it'll make you get to the place where you don't care about anything and you don't care about anybody including your husband or including your wife or including your children. I mean, you become so self-centered in your bitterness that you don't care about anybody. Now, how many times... Have we seen it at Calvary Baptist Church? I'm thinking right now of a family who came to this church and God began to change their life. I'm telling you, I'm talking about a sweet family. Man, a sweet family. If they called me today, I'd go try to help them. And, uh, and that man got in our church and God got a hold of his heart and, and God began to do a work of grace in his life. And I remember him coming to me and said, Preacher, I think maybe God's calling me to preach. And man, he was so fired up and excited about serving. And he said, Preacher, I, I want to help on a bus ride. Preacher, I want to I want to teach the Sunday school class. Preacher, I want to I want to help with the youth. Preacher, I want to sing in the choir. Uh, and uh, this man got involved, got involved, got, but his wife, 
got bitter about something. And she got all bent out of shape. And she said, you know what? I don't want you to go down there anymore. I don't want you to preach. I don't want you to teach. I don't want you to leave me. I want you to stay with me. Wait a minute now. And little by little by little by little, she began to pull him out. By the way, the kids were doing good. They were growing. They were involved in the youth group. And they were growing. But this mama got selfish. And she pulled him out. And she pulled them out. And I can't tell you how many ways that family exploded. That marriage went crazy. Those kids went off the deep end. I'll tell you why. Because bitterness will make you evolve into total, absolute selfishness. That's why. Herodias did not care what her husband wanted. All she knew is this. I want to I get even with John the Baptist. I thought about this. She cared nothing about her daughter's wishes. Now, Herodias, you know who's the victim in this story? Herodias' daughter. So here's a mama, here's a wicked mama who lets her little girl, she's a damsel, the Bible says. She lets her little girl go down to this banquet and dance in front of a bunch of sensual men. If she was a mama that had any morals about her, you know what, brother, listen, I mean, her fangs would have started coming out. The hair would have raised up on the back of, uh, on the back of her neck. She would have got like a German shepherd dog on visitation night. Amen? <laughs> and she said, you let me tell you something. You're not going down there for nothing. I don't care what those right. wicked, sinful men, sensual men want. You're not going down there. But she let her daughter go down there and dance for these uh, lustful men and perform in front of these lustful men. And yet, when the king promised her anything to the half of the kingdom, we notice here that Herodias carried nothing about her damsel, nothing that would help her daughter, but yet she was caught up in absolute, total selfishness. Somebody said it like this. A rattlesnake, if cornered, will sometimes become so angry it will bite itself. And that's true. And this is exactly what, the, uh, it's exactly what the harboring of hate and resentment against others is, a biting of oneself. We think that we're harming others and holding these spikes and hates, but the deeper harm is to ourselves. And yet we're mad at somebody or carrying a grudge against somebody, and yet they're home sleeping and we're up pacing the floor. And I'm just telling you, church, listen, if you're, amen, if you're not careful, bitterness will take you into absolute, total selfishness. But we notice something else. Not only that total selfishness, but number two, we notice that bitterness brought tunnel vision. It brought tunnel vision. Uh, getting back at, the, at John the, the Baptist was literally what consumed Herodias. Evidently, what she, she thought about day and night. I, just, I don't care what Herod wants. I don't care what my daughter wants. I don't care about a house. I don't care about a stallion. I don't care about the choicest house. All I know is this. I want to get back at that man of God. If it's the last thing I do, I'll get his head on a plate. I'll get his head on a charger. And bitterness brought tunnel vision. Now, some of you don't, don't know what I'm talking about. But years ago, back when the, the horse and the buggy was, was more prominent back years ago, they used to put something on the, on the horse's head called blinders. Blinders. And, and it, would, it, would, it would keep that horse from having peripheral vision. And so he's not as easily spooked. He couldn't see things to the side. He, and those blinders made him focus uh, uh, on the way in, in front of him. 
And you know what? There's a lot of Christians down through the years who've gotten bitter about something. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. Somebody mistreated them. Somebody cheated them. Well, you say, preacher, they cheated me. They may have. But you know the best thing you can do? Just forgive and forgive. You say, yeah, but they cheated me out of a bunch of money. Listen, and if you stay bitter about it, you're going to be the worst for it all. And you might as well just, well, you say, preacher, you just don't know this preacher, you know, several years ago, he just hurt me and he hurt our family and he may have. And I'm not saying what he done was right, but I'm just saying this. If you allow bitterness to creep up in your spirit, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy your home because bitterness always does. Bitterness causes tunnel vision. I thought about a man by the name of King Saul. King Saul. The Bible says that the little David had killed Goliath. You know the story. The Bible says that Saul has promoted David and his army. And one day they're out riding. And as they ride into the town, the Bible says the women are singing a song. And it says Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul said, that's got a nice ring to it. I like that verse. Saul has slain his thousands. But then they got to that next verse. And David, his tens of thousands. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 9, And Saul eyed David from that day and forth. You know what happened that day, church? King Saul got tunnel vision. He, by the way, he did. Read it. Did you know that everything after that day became secondary? Jonathan died a premature death. That was his son. By the way, it's King Saul's fault. Did you know that the whole kingdom of Israel became secondary? Did you know there were times when King Saul should have been there taking care of the kingdom, and yet he was out chasing David? You know why? Because he got tunnel vision. And everything else, you know what, just, just uh, dissolved and disappeared to the side because all he could think about was that bitterness that he had against King David or against David. I found this story this week. Somebody said it like this. One day, two monks were walking through the countryside. They were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops. As they walked, they, they spied an old woman sitting at the edge of the river. She was upset because there was no bridge and she could not get across on her own. The first monk kindly offered, we'll carry you across if you'd like. Thank you, she said gratefully, accepting their help. So the two men joined hands, lifted her between them, and carried her across the river. When they got to the other side, they set her down, and she went on her way. After they had walked another mile or so, the second monk began to complain, look at my clothes, he said. They are filthy from carrying that woman across the river. And my back still hurts from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff. The first monk just smiled, nodded his head. A few more miles up the road, the second monk griped again. My back is hurting me so badly. And it's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I cannot go any further because of the pain. The first monk looked down at his partner, now lying on the ground moaning. Have you wondered why I'm not complaining, he asked? Your back hurts because you are still carrying the woman. But I set her down five miles ago. 
Did you know that there are people walking into Bible-believing churches all over America today who have no joy? Their smile is gone. Their, their contentment is gone. They're having problems in their family. Their marriage is going awry. Their kids are, going, are getting rebellious. Can I tell you why? Because they're still carrying around that person of bitterness. Well, you don't understand, preacher. You don't understand what they did. You don't understand what somebody said. You don't understand what somebody did to make work. You don't understand how much they cheated me out of. And this is all I'm saying. Today, it's time to set it down. Amen. Just set it down. Well, you say, preacher, if, if, if I do that, what's going to happen? God's keeping a record. You just let, listen, if somebody did you wrong, God is fully capable of taking care of them. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. God Almighty is keeping a record. But I'm going to tell you what, as long as you harbor that bitterness and that resentment in your heart today, oh, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to make you an ugly person. It's going to ruin you. It's going to destroy you. You know what ought to happen today? Now, we'll get into this tonight. It goes down from there. Those may be the first two symptoms of bitterness, but from there it goes downhill. You're here this morning. Somebody done you wrong. A parent done you wrong. Well, you say, preacher, my old man left us when we were kids. Drank all the money away. Didn't care about us. I, I got it. By the way, I'm not saying that's right. It's not right. And preacher, my mom, she, she was on drugs and didn't care anything about us and just, I mean, just left us at an early age. I, I've got it. I'm not saying that's right. But I am saying this, the very best thing you can do for your kids is to set your parents down. And then sit your kids down and say, listen, my mom and daddy didn't do us right. But by the grace of Almighty God, we're doing it different in this home. Who is it that wronged you? Who is it that while the pastor was preaching today, the Spirit of God was reminding you, the, the, the Holy Spirit was giving you that face and you were thinking, oh yeah, preacher, I know who you're talking about. And, and uh, listen, today is the day we ought to have some folks that come down around an old-fashioned altar, just find a place somewhere, get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm setting them down today. I'm setting that down. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forget. It's in your hands. You take care of it from here. But I'm not going to harbor that unforgiveness and grudge and resentment in my life anymore. Father, we love you. This is a serious message. I knew it was going to be. You knew it was going to be. But Lord, for some reason, this is what you wanted me to preach. I believe it. God, it's an uncanny story here, this story of Herodias. Lord, when she could have literally had anything her heart desired, and yet she was so full of bitterness and indifference, she had to get even. Father, today I pray during this invitation that maybe you'll help some folks to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and just set down that, whatever it is, I pray they'll set it down today. I pray today they'll come to this altar and I pray they'll leave it at the altar. Lord, today somebody needs to come and, and 
leave some parents at the altar. Lord, today somebody needs to come and, and leave a boss at the altar. Somebody needs to come and, and leave someone who cheated them out of some money. They need to leave that at the altar. And say, Lord, I'm not carrying it around anymore. Today's the day. I'm going home free. Father, I pray that you'd work in this invitation. Speak to hearts. Save the lost. Teach us truth, I pray, Father. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want to ask you to do me a favor all over the house. I'm going to ask you to stand very quickly, if you will, and quietly. And I want to ask a question or two. Then we're going to, we're going to ask you to come. And some have already come. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved and I'm on my way to heaven. And if you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up right now? Pastor, I know I'm saved. Praise God, that's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask a second question, though. Is there one anywhere, preacher's right or left, and you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would, ha I would have a home in heaven and I want you to remember me in prayer. And right now, you'd slip your hand up really high so I could pray. Yes, sir, I will. I will pray. God bless you. Is there another right now? You'd raise that hand very high. You'd say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. I'll raise it now. I don't know that I'm saved. Is there another anywhere? You'd slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Raise it real high. Is there another anywhere? All right. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not saved, then I want you to come and we want you to get saved today so bad. But also, if you're here today and you're a child of God and the devil has tried to get you sideways with somebody or something, I'm going to ask you in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to make your way to this altar and I'm going to ask you to set it down today. Some of you, you know what? If you don't set it down, your marriage is not going to make it. Some young person here today that's got awed in their heart against a mom or dad. Mom and dad did something against you or did something to you, and ever since you've not been right, you've been miffed at them. Y'all to come home. Y'all to come down here today and set it down. So, Father, I pray that you're working the invitation. Lord, it seems that very slowly, but surely you're, you're working, speaking to hearts. Father, help us to be so careful about this thing of bitterness. Have your way now in the, in the rest of the invitation. Save the lost and encourage the saved, please. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. The pianists will play. If you need to come, the altar is wide open today. Why don't you come? Come on down. Set it down today. Come on. Come on, young person. Come on, mom, dad. Come on, employee. Let's, let's set it down. Once and for all, let's set it down. I'm not going to continue to live this way. I'm not going to harbor this unforgiveness and, and resentment in my heart. I'm not going to do it. What about it? God's working. Would you come? Would you come? I'm going to make my way to the main floor. If, we're, if you're here and we can help you, if we can pray with you, I want you to come today while we wait, you come.